poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, these are your hosts of Chasing Poker Greatness, Coach Brad Wilson and John Chai. John, you ready to get tactical? Yeah, we got uh, two hands today where I got in some interesting river spots. Um, That's about as good as we can get for the theme this week. Yeah, Uh, I think we agreed upon the theme as you just needing help with two spots that have no commonality at all. One one is like a loose formation, one is a tight formation, one's a four-bet pot, one's a three-bet pot. When you're in position, when you're out of position. Uh, So basically... We we just need help. This is uh <laughs> God needs help on the river. That'll be the, the title. <laughs> John needs to learn. John needs help. Um all right. So why don't we just dive into this first hand if you want to break it down for the listener? Yep. So both of these hands are gonna be at 500 zoom. Um first hand here. I'm in middle position with pocket queens. Uh I open. Um I'm gonna assume a reg in the cutoff. Uh, three bets me, everybody else folds. I four bet the queens and the red calls. I think everything standard, everything preflop is pretty standard. Um, all the sizings are pretty yeah. normal reg sizings. So not much yeah, to talk about preflop. You, you stick in 22 big blinds. So there's 227 in the pot. You have 386 behind. Villain calls. Uh, you have queens. Flop is jack, four, tray, rainbow. And yeah, really good flop. For yeah. Queens, obviously, very happy to see no overcards and definitely some worse hands that can get stacked here. So I start out with uh, what's going to be my standard C bet sizing as a preflop four better with a, with a quarter pot about fifty six dollars into two twenty seven and the cutoff calls. All right. Turn I think maybe we could start talking about uh, talking being talking more in depth about strategy here on the turn. Um, I think there are a lot of options. I have just under pot left behind i have 330 in my stack the pot is 339 um, i think i could check here and jam the river uh, i think i could check jam here if i do check and the cutoff bets i think i could just jam here maybe i could even bet a quarter pot again or like a small size um what do you what do you like here i would probably start by checking the turn mm-hmm. i think that the in position player here like you know they're gonna have maybe some back doors, king, queen of diamonds, king, queen of spades, uh, maybe like the ace jack suited. Um, they're also going to have some like preflop traps, I, I would think too, like maybe aces or kings, um, because such a tight formation lends itself to trapping in position, um, I think. So, like, villain's also going to have jacks. So, I don't know, like, yeah, I, I would just check and then probably just be planning on jamming rivers, but at least checking, letting villains lower equity hands stab or try to put some money into the pot. Um, and then kind of going from there. Yeah, I think we have had the exact same thought process on the turn. So I do start out with a check. 
And interestingly, I, I think you would much rather face a bet on the turn than a check back. Like, when villain checks back, I, I think they maintain, again, the SPRs like around one. So they could easily check back their traps on the turn two. And I think like the hands that they bet or stab with are m probably more likely to be, um, you know, bottom of range type hands. Gotcha. Okay. That's going to punch a hole in my river thought process soon. Oh, and they bet small. Yeah. So we get the really small size from the cutoff. What do you think about this? Like, does this change your opinion on like what their range looks like once they once they use this, you know, almost like one tenth pot size bet? Not really. I mean, I don't really know what to make of it other than like it's it looks like it could possibly be a, a cheapish bluff. Um, it could also look like it's an induction bet. I mean. You know, it could easily be an induction bet. It, it, it could be like small bet on the turn to set up like a bigger jam on the river because they don't want to bet too much on the turn to leave too little let, you know, leave um, not enough money to really jam and maintain fold equity. I suspect, I mean, I'm tainted because I know the result. I, I saw the hand play out in the replayer. So I, I mean, I think it's easier to find this hand at with their traps than it is with their bluffs. It's easier uh, to find this size with their traps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, how often do you see somebody with like, you know, king queen of diamonds here choose a tenth on the turn? What size would you expect them expect to see? Like just to just rip the turn. So they have three twenty left. They bet a hundred. That's like. I mean, maybe the size is just like really good, like with everything. Feels like the size is just really good with everything. To be honest, yeah, yeah. they could even be betting like tens or something, like right. to check behind or nines yeah. or eights, um, to like overrealize. So, yeah, I think this is a really good bet. Yeah, I like the size a lot too from Villain, and I think <clears throat> I was mostly stuck on the last point that you just made. That like I thought that the size might just be like maybe all their jack x maybe even a hand down to like tens and nines doing exactly what you just mentioned betting the turn cheap almost to kind of like stunt the action and get like a really cheap showdown on the river it yeah. makes it probably makes it less likely that they face a jam from me and much more likely that they face a check from me on the river um again like you said i do think that can they can certainly have all their traps i think aces can bet the size kings can bet the size pocket jacks can bet the size um uh i wasn't so sure about like if they would use the size as a bluff not that it's unreasonable to bet the size and then jam the jam the river um i just thought that it might be a little bit more likely that they just jam the turn uh with some of their bluffs so i was mostly weighing weighting them towards their kind of marginalish showdown hands that are, are trying to find a check check on the river i mean the way that their range is made up like this should probably just be a range bet for them mm -hmm. with everything yeah like it just feels like, you know, their bluffs can go small. Their hands that they're trying to overrealize can go small. Their traps can go small. I mean, I, I just really love the sizing. I think it has a ton of utility, and I think it's just really, really, really good by villain. Yeah. Uh, but, at, you know, speaking of, like, those sort of middling type hands, I think, like, I would be inclined to think the same. 
and it kind of leads me to wanting to call the turn and probably donk jam the river oh. on a lot of rivers. Oh, how happy I am to hear that. So that, like, because, you know, the, the hand's like 10s or 9s or 8s, right? Like, they're just going to go straight through to the river, over-realize, and life is good for them. When, whenever they do have a trap, we're going to end up paying off two bets anyway, right? Like, we're not folding to the river jam. If they have jacks, aces, or kings, then, like, they just got it. Um, so we go broke every single time they have the better hands. So we do want to put their bluff catchers or those lower equity type hands in a situation on the river and maybe let those hands um, call as well. So, like, yeah, I think just calling turn and then donking river makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, that's well, that's actually exactly what I was thinking um, on the turn. That's why I decided to call here instead of check jam or anything else. Um, and yeah, I was fully intending on dogging pretty much every river. Um, don't think the, and it's not great that the backdoor flush gets there. Like they certainly do have some bluffs that are like, you know, what ace Jack of clubs. I mean, ace 10 of clubs, maybe. Yeah. I mean, like it's very, very few because we have the queen of clubs. Yeah. 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 Maybe they don't have as many. Yeah. Maybe the club is like really, really irrelevant, but <clears throat> anyways, even in game, I, I didn't really care. And like my, thought process was exactly what you just said about trying to put their bluff catchers um, into a spot where they might put in all the money sometimes with their, I mean, I assume Jack X to just call off here quite frequently. I don't know what tens does, but I would like to like, at least, you know, See? put that, put that hand in a spot instead of just letting them check behind every single time and then paying off their aces, Kings and Jacks every single time. Yeah. So for the podcast listener, the final board, the flop was Jack for Trey one club turn was a seven of clubs river was a five of clubs which puts up a four liner completes the backdoor flush but john does have the queen of clubs and like we said they don't have a ton of backdoor flushes available i don't think a six is ultra reasonable um in their range here i don't think they three bet like i mean maybe they have six seven suited but i mean it, we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel so an effective Brit blank. Like, I, I just don't think this changes too much. Um, and yeah, so you just go for it on the river. Yep. We put in the last 284 with a river donk. Yeah. And get pretty quickly called. Nice. Is it? No. Not so nice. Aces. <laughs> You're just destined to get stacked here, I think. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't think we actually get to learn very much from this exact hand because he has, you know, one of the one of the traps. Um, I think like a hand that we that I would think that you know I could learn something from if if I did donk and get called would be like if he called with a hand like Jack Ten suited or pocket tens, I'd be like, wow, this donk is great. Like, I'm gonna keep doing it all the time. Um, I'm still gonna keep doing it because you know, <laughs> I mean, did, I got to run into like one of those hands first to see how it works but yeah again this is just a spot where i'm gonna get stacked no matter yeah, what like you went broke but i think you went broke in the right way and there are definitely good and bad ways to lose your stack and at least in this situation when you went broke um you gave villain a chance to have bluff catchers so yeah i i think you played the hand very well so i th i think the downside though and i do want to mention this i was going to ask you this is the downside to donking the river is that we don't give his bluffs a chance to jam you know just his king queen of diamonds or whatever like they they yeah. were sort of letting those hands off the hook is that worth um putting their bluff catchers uh into this tough spot probably 
I don't know how many bluffs they have, really. We've got two queens. So, I mean, king-queen of diamonds, king-queen of spades. Like, I still think ace-king just rips it pre-flop. So, like, yep. uh, maybe ace-queen of diamonds, ace-queen of spades. Yeah, ace-ten um, suited. And maybe ace-ten suited. Like, so we're, we're, you know, we're talking, like, six combos or so. And yep. then I think I, they have, like probably all tens, probably old nines, a bunch of Jack X. So yeah, I think you're targeting a larger portion of their range by the donk instead of uh, checking and hoping that they, they jam with their bluffs. Right. right. Wow. Didn't expect, wasn't sure what you were going to say about this hand. Um, I don't think I've ever played a hand this way where I was planning on donking the river, but uh, something that I don't know, I've been thinking about a little bit more often, especially when I, check the turn and face the really, really small bet. Um, something that I do a lot with like hands that are just trying to get to showdown. So glad yeah, you they agreed get, with They get to overrealize, right? Like they, they don't necessarily, you know, the out of position player doesn't necessarily want to check raise because they have traps. And so like you bet small um, on the turn in position, villain calls, they naturally check the river and you just check behind with like tens, nines or eights. Mm-hmm. And basically like if, if the turn checks through and you have aces, uh, or the out of position player has like aces, kings, or queens. They're most likely going to be jamming the river, and, and that's just not so great for us. So, right. yeah, yeah. I think you played it, played it really well, and just ran into, ran into the trap. What can you do? All right. So hand number two, where you know John's throwing up the, the bat signal, and. Uh, that that's all i have it it's not all the money goes in again on the river all the money goes in again that's that's john's john's theme here stick around the decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy too tight and they know what you have too loose and you're easy to run over Preflop Bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your preflop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your preflop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. Before boot camp, I had been playing for maybe 15 years, somewhat seriously, always trying to get better, jumping from learning program to different learning programs and training site to training site. Kind of feeling a little bit lost, not really knowing how to go about getting better. And preflop boot camp just felt like a great starting point, a way for me to to move from being a losing player to, to possibly a winning player. It felt like the right first step. Once you jumped in boot camp, what was your experience like? Well, first off, I realized that I'd been making a lot of mistakes prior to boot camp, kind of learning what ranges should look like and what hands should be played in what situations. You know, it was it was exciting because I I could see what other people had been doing to me, what kind of what I had been missing in my game. And then from there, just the whole camaraderie of everybody that's um, signed up, working together, trying to achieve that goal. You know, that, that was fun. That's uh, pushing each other and really helping uh, one another, kind of feeling like you're a part of a team. It was, uh, it was a great experience. I, I enjoyed the process and I learned a lot. What 
was your experience like playing cards post boot camp? It's a totally different experience. You know, it put me in a position to be successful as opposed to always being behind the eight ball and, and playing catch up. Um, I really feel like it's it's the foundation of, of a solid poker game. And uh, since boot camp, I've been able to, to turn a profit and keep building on what I learned there. You know, being able to go back into the group and uh, re really work together even after boot camp was over, it's it's been awesome. What's your sample size of winning post boot camp? I think I have 70,000 hands played by now. You know, I'm a father and I have a job, so I'm not a, a professional player by any means. That's my sample size. Preflop Bootcamp is the flagship Chasing Poker Greatness training program. If you'd like to dramatically upgrade your preflop game, a new bootcamp launches on the last Saturday of every single month. The price is $199 and your link to join is ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. One more time, that's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp, all one word, or you can click through in the description box of this episode. All right, welcome back from the break. And now let's just let's just dive in john let's just no. dive into this second hand you need help you're desperate let's see what goes on so we're playing more 500 zoom um action folds around to the small blind who i think is a reg uh, obviously hard to tell when you're playing zoom he opens to 15 dollars. i have ace eight offsuit i three bet from the big blind to 45 dollars. uh the small blind calls 45 and we go to a jack, eight deuce flop with two diamonds. I flop middle pair. Small blind checks. I'm probably just going to be checking middle pair all day here. So check, check on the flop. Turn is the king of spades. Small blind starts out with a pot size turn, turn bet. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess we can stop here and just start talking about thoughts. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't mind betting the flop, to be honest with you. Like, I think that it's hard for Villain to have a ton of uh, value check raises on this board. So, like, I don't even really mind betting and getting check raised on the flop because, like, I just, you know, maybe they're check raising, like, ace-jack for value. They need to be check raising, like, maybe ace-jack or king-jack for value in order to have, like, something reasonable but like most check raises i think are just going to be like you know gut shots straight draws diamonds uh you know they only really have deuces um and maybe some like jack eight suited like two combos of them so like i don't mind starting out by betting the flop i think checking behind is somewhat reasonable as well uh on the king turn villain betting pot um yeah again i, I think it's hard for them to have a lot of natural value like they're repping two pair plus on the turn maybe they can have like king queen i don't know if they have king 10 if they go down that far so i mean i'm still like just calling the turn i think they have like ace 10 they have queen 10 they have nine 10 they have a bunch of diamonds really plus, nothing. like maybe just like random air that yeah, just like back the flop, right? Yeah, that's not even factoring in just the random two cards yeah. that they have in front of them. That they just decide to 
go bananas with. So like, I think that they just have a lot of natural, um, lower equity hands, not a ton of super, uh, natural high equity hands. So in a decent spot to call versus polarized range. Yeah. I really like everything that you said about the flop and, um, them just not having very many value check raises or even many value hands here that, that can bet pot because Jack's three bets, free flop Kings, obviously three bets, free flop. Um, there's only, uh, one combo of eights left and, um, three combos of deuces. I don't think I would be surprised that if they call a three bet out of position with a hand like Jack eight suited. So I wouldn't even give them credit for that. They obviously, I'm obviously going to discount all the other two pairs, Jack deuce and eight deuce. Um, so yeah, actually I didn't even really think about betting the flop for those reasons, but a lot of that came in to my thought process, uh, on the river. So We'll, we'll say yeah, I, I think it's an important thing to think about, like when deciding whether or not to see bet with these type of hands mm-hmm. is really asking yourself what natural value do they have to check raise here? Mm-hmm. And if they're lacking in natural value, then like you can bet and be feel pretty safe about, yeah, about, about betting and getting check raised. Yeah. Uh, you, and you block like one of their natural value check raises too. Um, right. Which right. would be a set of eights. Mm-hmm. So, Villain small blind bets pot on the turn. Uh, I call. River is a big brick, the three of clubs. So now the board is jack eight, deuce, king three. Uh, the diamonds have bricked. And small blind puts in $368 into a pot of 264. So uh, about a 1.5x pot over bet on the river. Not too shocked to see the size once they you know, already go very polar on the turn. I think this is... Somewhat expected size, I guess, to, to mm-hmm. see on the river. Um, you want to say something here before I go into what I was thinking? Uh, so just to recap, the boards: King, Jack, Eight, Deuce, Trey, Villain, One Point Five X is on the river. You've got third pair, Ace, Kicker. Uh, the only thing that I would say is like, again, they they don't have a ton of value. They've got a bunch of natural bluffs. The river's a blank. So lose formation pre match the wager. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was thinking. Um, I guess like just a little bit more detail. If I was to lose here, I think the two hands that I, I would expect to see are King Jack and uh, pocket deuces. I think pocket deuces probably makes the most sense. I think King Jack offsuit likely three bets or sorry, excuse me, four bets um, at some frequency. Um, I think, I guess King Jack suited is possible as a uh, as a. You think it's the worst with like what? King Queen? I think King Queen's pretty cool here. Yeah. Potting over bet ripping for value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of using similar logic to my logic in the first hand, right? Where all the better hands you're likely going to get stacked by or lose a big pot to, anyways. At least put my bluff catchers in in a in a tough spot so that you can't get paid off when you do have the best hand sometimes instead of just letting me check back, you know, Queen Jack or. Jack 10 or pocket nines, pocket tens, something like that. Right. Like they're really worried about like ace king, you know? I mean, maybe king eight, like ace king and king eight. But like if they check, ace king is almost certainly going to be putting money in on the river. King Mm -hmm. eight, it will certainly be putting money in on the river. So like basically, you know, your check behinds with like tens, nines, eight X, even some jack X, jack 10, jack nine suited, maybe queen Mm -hmm. jack suited can check behind the flop. So uh, I think like expanding value range to King Queen here is the out of position player is 
quite good. Yeah. I, I like that a lot now. That's not something that I was thinking about in game. <laughs> I don't know if that would have like swayed. I don't know that it should. I, I don't yeah. I don't think most people see that door like in real time, especially in Zoom. You know, they don't have the benefit of sitting here and talking about it for 10 minutes straight. Right. But I do think that the situation sets itself up pretty well for expanding to to just jamming King Queen. Okay. Yeah, another thing that I was worried about here is that just relative to where I am in my range, Ace-8 is going to be pretty far down in this mm-hmm. spot. Like, I assume I'll have much, much better hands. Uh, you know, even just all the Jack-X that checks behind. Um, I'll probably have, you know, some two-pair, like a hand like King-8, maybe even King-Jack checks behind. So uh, one thing that I was going to ask about this hand is that, like, when you are this far down in your range, how hard should, you know, how much time should you be how much time should you spend thinking about whether to call this 1.5x on the river or should you just kind of be like, look, I got way better hands. I can, I don't have to, you know, really deal with this headache with, with a hand this far down. I mean, in this, in this situation, I wouldn't think too much about it just because it's so easy for the small blind to get out of line here and just have way too many bluffs relative to how much value they have. So like when they can have nine, 10, ace, 10, ace, queen, uh, I guess ace queen's probably four betting. Ace ten, queen ten, uh, maybe even like seven nine or something like that. Like just they just have so many available bluffs, and once they polarize the turn, it's quite likely that they're just going to rip the river too. So I don't know. I, I don't really think about it because in, in this spot, because like they have so many available natural bluffs that you know if they expand their bluffing region and just bluff all of those, then yeah. I don't care where I'm at. I'm just going to call everything. Buddy, I was I was asking that question from the perspective of like, I'm so far down in my range that when I face a bet big, this big, like I just don't want to think about it and just fold and just know that I have lots of better hands I can call. And you were, it sounds like you're saying, well, no, you are saying like, doesn't matter where I am in my range. They just have so many bluffs. I'm not going to think about it and just call. Yeah, if villains are like naturally over bluffing here, then you just get to call down much lighter, right? Like it's the it's the exploit. Like they're over bluffing exploitatively, so we over call as a defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, if it's a spot like where they have a lot of natural value, then that's like one thing. But here, it's like, bro, you got top two pair. You got to top two pair. You know, you you flop bottom set. You flop bottom set. You get my <laughs> stack. Like. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So don't, you know, in these wide range spots where villain is lots of bluff, natural bluffs available to them. Uh, and, you know, maybe you're playing in a pool where villains are likely to be very, very aggressive or even over aggressive. Um, just adjust by calling down really light and, and not even spending a ton of time thinking about whether third pair is, is a good call or not. And I think like loose formation plays a major role here too. Like hand number one was very tight formation. Um, this one super loose, right? Yeah. Small blind open, big blind three bet, small blind call. Like they just have so many different combos of hands that can bluff that, like, yeah, just flick yeah. it in. And that is what I do. Flick it in with the ace eight, and we get some good news. <laughs> some good news. We got our money back from the first hand. <laughs> yep. So villain does end up having queen 10 of spades so he flopped a gut shot and then turned an open ender and decided to go crazy with 
with his open ender. I don't think it's actually, I said go crazy, but I don't think it's that crazy. I think the line that he took is pretty reasonable. Um, maybe exactly the line that I would have taken too. So just the cooler for him. What hand would be unreasonable here for them to bet pot on the turn and over bet jam the river? Ace 10, 9 10, 7 9, diamonds. <laughs> I guess everything is reasonable. Right, like I don't it, know. I mean, like this is like a very natural bluff, I guess is, is what I should say. It's a sure, but so is ace ten and nine ten, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah those hands diamonds. Are um, that's the thing. Like you have excess natural bluffs and limited value. Yeah, we we call a lot. No, I wonder if that if that says anything about bluffing this spot. You know, like once I check back the flop, should you take this line? Like, you know, I think. I think when I check back the flop, I, I am sort of saying that I have some sort of showdown or, you know. Um, yeah, know. it depends on the villain. Like, <laughs> if you're going to call down with third pair every time, then probably it's not the greatest spot to be bluffing. If you're yeah. going to fold, like, a jack to the pot and then the overbet rip, well, then it's a great spot to be bluffing. So, like, it, it's really... got to put your stack in once minute. to find out who you're playing against and then... <laughs> Just for well, there. Yeah. it's zoom so you don't ever know anything. <laughs> yeah, say like true. humans trend to being risk averse and so like just put them in a spot for all their chips with third pair and like most people won't call yeah yeah so yeah there you go you played the hands very well you, you didn't need help after all that's the the twist to this this story here i'm on a little tactile choose the heater i think not not money wise but just you know getting the coach brad approval on on hands played i, yeah. I don't think i've ever done i don't think i've ever gone this long without a <laughs> why would you do that on the turn <laughs> like comments <laughs> <laughs> yeah why, why are we even making tactical tuesdays anymore we just like <laughs> just turn it on yes john played well and then turn it off boom let's move on to next week you finally, you figured it out, John. You, you figured out how to play poker well. <laughs> Congratulations. It only took like 75 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that said, what see do we do? Yeah, I guess we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter, join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.